Well, we are walking on Wednesday nights in the chapel through Galatians chapter 5 with, through the passage that's known as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to say this every week, so you're probably going to get tired of me saying this, but I think it's important to say and important for us to remember this. That as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we are not looking at a checklist of how we are to be good Christians. This is not a list that we need to, to make sure we're keeping up with, to make sure that we're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing. Instead, what this is, is a mirror that we're going to hold up to our lives, and it's going to answer the question, are we looking the way that we're supposed to look? And the thing is, is that this is the fruit of the Spirit. And you have fruit from a tree. And you have an apple tree, and it grows apples. It's not an apple tree because it has apples, but it has apples because it's an apple tree. So in the same way, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, if you are walking by the Spirit, if you are following the Lord, if you are abiding in Christ, like we'll talk about tonight, then you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. The thing is, you will bear fruit in your life. It's not a choice that you have. This is not a decision that you have to make if you are going to bear fruit. You will bear fruit. The question is, what type of fruit will you produce? Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33, we've read it each week, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or just make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. So as we examine our lives, it is not the actions of our lives and our beliefs and what we say that we believe and what we, who we say we are that matters. The question is, is what is the fruit in our lives? Stephen Covey, who's a, a popular leadership author and written many influential books, he once said this, We are free to choose our actions, but we are not free to choose the consequent, consequences of these actions. And that's exactly what we're looking at tonight with the fruit of the Spirit and what Jesus is talking about is you can make choices in your life. You can choose what you're going to do. You can choose how you're going to live. And based on that choice, you will bear fruit. So what type of fruit are you going to be producing? There's really only two options. And and Paul in Galatians 5.16, he lays them out. He says, I say then walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. He lists there the the two options. What type of fruit are we going to produce? Are we going to produce the fruit of the Spirit by walking in the Spirit? Or are we going to produce the fruit of our flesh by walking and sowing according to our flesh? He goes on to say in verses 19 through 21 what it looks like when we sow according to our flesh. He says, now the works of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you that those, these things, as I've warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you sow to the flesh, that's what you end up with. But when you sow to the Spirit, he goes on to say in verse 22 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So practically, how do you walk by the Spirit? We said it last week, we're going to say it every week. How do we bear the right kind of fruit? It's very simple. There's no magic formula. There's nothing hidden. If you want to bear the fruit of the Spirit, you need to walk in the Spirit. You need to abide in Jesus. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, 4 and 5, that if you remain in me and I in you, 
And now he, he begins to even use this metaphor of fruit and producing. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. See, according to Jesus, you cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit on your own. Only the Lord has the ability and the power to do that. Last week, we talked about love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Tonight, we're moving on to the second, and the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And Jesus says that the only way that you can have true joy in your life, the only way that you can experience that is if you abide in him. Apart from Jesus, we have nothing. We can do nothing. And without Jesus, we will certainly not be able to experience true joy in our lives. Now, he said earlier in John 15 that we must abide in him if we're going to bear fruit, and that apart from him, we cannot bear any fruit. But listen to what Jesus goes on to say just a few verses later, John 15, 9 through following, through 11. As a father has loved me, I have also loved you, so remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love He's telling you how to do it. Remain in my love. How do you do that? By keeping my commands. For just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now listen here. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. So the question is, do you want to have the joy of Jesus in your life? Not a man-made joy, not some superficial joy. Do you want to have the true joy full joy of Jesus in your life? And do you want your joy to be made complete? Then we need to listen to what Jesus says and we need to obey. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that a thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but he has come that we may have life and that we may have it in abundance. See, when you follow Jesus, you are saved for eternity. There's no doubt about that. Scripture makes that very clear. That when you are saved and you give your life to Christ, that you are saved for something in the future. But the Bible also says, and we ignore this a lot of times, that we are also saved for now. The abundant life that, in the eternal life that Jesus gives us doesn't start when we die. The abundant life that Jesus has for us starts when we give our life to Jesus. And so if you want to have that joyful, that abundant, that filled up life, you can have it now. You don't have to wait. There are troubles in this world. This world offers a lot of sorrow and a lot of woes. But there's nothing stopping you from experiencing the true joy of Jesus today. All you have to do is abide in Jesus, and the fruit of joy will grow in your life. Joy is something that we're meant to have. But what happens when we have joy? We rejoice. See, the noun form is joy. The verb form is rejoice. So when you have joy in your heart, the only thing you can do is rejoice, which is why Paul wrote in Philippians 4 verse 4 that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. I love it when Paul just gets real simple like that and repeats himself and makes sure that everybody in the room can understand it. Rejoice in the Lord always. In case you missed it, I'm going to say it again. You need to rejoice. We sang just a minute ago, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. If that's true, then that joy is deep down in our heart. It's not going to stay there. It's going to come out and we are going to rejoice in the Lord. So as we look at that this, this evening, I want to ask the question, what is 
joy. So as we hold up the mirror of the fruit of the Spirit, how do we know if we have the joy of the Lord in our lives? What does it look like? What is it? Sometimes it's a little hard to to explain. Sometimes it's a little hard to define. So we're going to walk through tonight, and we're going to attempt to walk away with a definition of joy so that you can examine your own heart and your life and ask your question, do I have the joy of the Lord in my life? So we're going to do that for a few minutes, but then we're going to do something a little different tonight. This might make a few people uncomfortable, but I like making people uncomfortable every once in a while. So if you have the joy of the Lord in your heart, in your life, you're going to do what? Rejoice. So I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to rejoice and give testimony of what the Lord has done. So once we're done, we're going to spend about 15 minutes examining, 10 minutes examining what joy is, and then we're going to have two microphones. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you have a testimony of something the Lord has done in your life. Maybe it's something you've read in the Bible lately. Maybe it's something he's done in your life. I want to hear from you what the Lord has done in your life. I want to hear you rejoice. I want to hear you practice. Your uh, brother Steve says all the time that he doesn't want people getting to heaven and not knowing how to shout in heaven. And he said, if, you, if that's you, then don't tell him you came from Bellevue. In the same way, when we get to heaven, I don't want us to not know how to rejoice. And more importantly, I don't want us to not know how to rejoice here on the earth because that is a big part of the abundant life that God has already given us. So as you, as you rejoice and as you give testimony for the Lord, what he's done for you, it's going to do you good. Because when you rejoice, it fills you up with joy. Because Jesus told us to rejoice. And so when we rejoice, we're obeying the Lord, and he's going to bear more fruit of joy in our lives. But it's also going to do stuff for people around you. You have no idea who walked in the room tonight. I don't know who all is in the room, and I don't know what you're dealing with. I'm sure there's a lot of broken heart and heaviness in the room tonight. And so as you're faithful to rejoice in the Lord... You have no idea what encouragement and reminder of the Lord's goodness and his grace that that might do for somebody else. As you rejoice in the Lord's love, you have no idea who else in the room might need a reminder that God really loves them. So I want to ask you, and you can start thinking now, I'm not gonna, if nobody talks, I'm going to start handing microphones and making people talk. But if you guys are good and you are able to rejoice on your own, then I won't call on anybody, so don't get nervous. But I want you to think of what has the Lord done in your life lately that you are able to publicly rejoice about. But before we walk up to that, before we get to that point, I want to ask the question, what is joy? Now, I want to try to answer that with three things. You have three blanks on your page. If you're taking notes, ask you to write down three words. The first is joy is happiness. Joy is happiness. I'm going to read this to you. And Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 6. Three and following his talk, he says in verse 3, we are not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. And what he's saying there is I'm not going to become a stumbling block for anybody because no matter what I experience, I'm not going to allow that, if it's a hardship, if it's whatever it is in my life, I'm not going to allow anything to keep people around me when they look at my life from knowing the Lord. I'm going to live my life in such a way that points people, no matter what circumstance I'm in, points them to the Lord. Now listen to what he says here. Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in anything by great endurance. We're going to endure with, through afflictions, through hardship, through difficulties, through beatings, imprisonments, riots, by labors, sleepless nights, times of hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, by the Holy Spirit, sincere love, by the word of truth, the power of God. All these things, these are all the things in which he is able to push through and point people to the Lord. 
through weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory, through dishonor, through slander, through good report. Regarded as deceivers, yet were true. They're going to tell me, say that I'm lying, but I'm telling the truth. As unknown, yet I'll be recognized. As dying, yet you see we live. As being disciplined, yet not killed. Verse 10, as grieving, yet always rejoicing. At grieving, yet always rejoicing. See, those are two things that we don't put together usually. Somebody that is grieving, yet able to rejoice. So I'm going to correct myself here. I told you that joy is happiness. If you wrote that down, I'm going to ask you to take your pen and strike through that. Because that is not true. You see, joy, happiness is definitely a part of joy. But that's not what joy is. You see, Paul says that here, as he was grieving... He was able to rejoice. You see, joy is much deeper than happiness. Now, happiness is definitely, like I said, a part of joy. And if you have joy in your life, it will result in a happiness eventually. But joy is not an outward expression of how you feel in the moment. Joy is much deeper than that. So happiness is out. Let's forget we said that one. Don't tell Brother Steve I told you that. Let's see what else we can see. Joy is... Getting what you want. A lot of people view joy in this way. I know my kids love video games. And when they get a new game for their Nintendo, they experience what they would say is a lot of joy. But listen to what James, the brother of Jesus, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, would say. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We don't always associate grieving with joy in the same way. When I talk about joy, the first thing I'm not talking about is the various trials and the testing of my faith in my life. But Scripture tells us that when we experience various trials, when we experience the testing of our faith, We should consider it all joy, great joy. We should rejoice in those moments, not because of the trials, but because of what we know they're going to lead to. Because we know that when we are tried, when our faith is put through the fire, that it is going to lead to us becoming more mature and more complete. So in this moment, we're not rejoicing because we got what we wanted. So you can take that and you can put a line through that one as well. That's not right. We're going to get it, I promise you, before we get out of here. We'll find it. But as we look at it, that's not what joy is. Joy is not happiness. Joy is not just getting what we want and and life going the way we hoped it would and the way we planned. Through all of that, through grief, through sorrow, through various trials, the Bible says that we are to experience joy. So what is joy? And you can go ahead and actually write this one down because I'm not going to make you cross through it. Joy is an overflow from the Lord. An overflow from the Lord. Somebody that really understood this and really demonstrated it in their life was, the, was King David, who was a, a shepherd himself and understood that the Lord was his shepherd. I want to read you the most famous psalm in all of Scripture, Psalm 23. I'm going to read all the way through this. And I want you to listen to the joy that he has in his life. And I'm going to point out one part in particular. 
And ultimately, as you think about this, as we read this, I want you to also think about what Jesus said in John 15 about abiding in me. If you abide in Jesus, you will be able to bear much fruit. Listen, uh, David in his time did not know the name Jesus, but he knew Jesus. He knew the Lord. And as you see here, he is describing a life that is being lived, that is be, that in which he was abiding in the Lord. Listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I'll fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Listen to this. This is his joy, I believe. My cup overflows. And only goodness. He now, his cup is overflowing. He turns to rejoicing here. Only goodness, only faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. You see, when the Lord fills your cup, when he gives you joy, the Lord never gives you just enough. He always gives you a double portion. He always overflows in what he gives. He's a very generous God. And as we experience the joy of the Lord in our life, as we walk with Jesus and he produces that fruit of joy in our life, it's going to fill our own cup and it's going to overflow enough for us to be able to rejoice and share that joy with others. You see, as you experience that joy and as you rejoice You're going to be pointing other people all around you to the joy of the Lord. And then they will be drawn closer to the Lord as a result. So in just a moment, as we rejoice in this room and as we share testimony of what the Lord has done in our life and how good the Lord has been to us and how he's loved us, that is what you're going to be doing. Your cup is going to be overflowing and you're going to be sharing that with some other people as well. David wrote in Psalm 16, 5 and 6, Lord, you are my portion and you are my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. When you have joy, that is your outlook on life. David lived a very hard life. He spent most of his life being told he's going to be king and then running away from the king who was trying to kill him. He was hiding in caves and fighting giants and doing all this stuff that we wouldn't see as a life of abundance and somebody that was filled up. But that was not in which what he was looking for his joy from. He wasn't looking to his life, to his external circumstances, to receive the joy from the Lord. He was being filled up by the joy, that relationship with the Lord, by abiding with the Lord. And the Lord was constantly filling up his cup. We sang tonight, my sins were washed away. My night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Is that your testimony? Your sins were washed away. Your night was turned to day. And that doesn't even mean that the night went away, but that the joy of the Lord in the midst of it turns our sorrow into dancing into great joy. I came across a quote by Charles Dickens. You guys know Charles Dickens. He's a famous author. He says this, It is at least as difficult to stay a moral infection as a physical one. Now, we don't talk like that quite anymore, and so sometimes you have to read it two or three times to understand what he's saying. It's at least as difficult, so he's saying it's equal to or probably harder to stay a moral infection than a physical one. 
So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to interpret Charles Dickens. I'm going to turn it to what we're saying tonight. When you have joy in your life, it is more contagious than any disease on this planet. See, when you have joy and you rejoice in the Lord, we experienced a pandemic in 2020, obviously COVID-19. The way COVID would spread has nothing on the way that joy spreads when we rejoice in the Lord. And if you don't believe that, just think of any time that you've ever been around a baby that is happy. So a baby that is not happy does not produce a whole lot of joy in a lot of people. But a baby that's happy, that's smiling, that's laughing and playing and looking at you and handing you toys, it's impossible to be in that type of situation and to not smile. Uh, Josiah Gwynn, who leads our, our equip ministry and home group, just walked in. I walked in his office earlier because I saw not Josiah, I saw his wife, Emily, in there, and I saw the two of them in there. And he, walked, he, he turned around and he said, hey, how can I help you? And I said, I'm not here for you because I knew where Emily was, his baby boy Enoch was. And Enoch is a boy that smiles and is just such a joy to be around and is infectious. And so I like being around Enoch. And so as much as I like Josiah, I like Enoch a whole lot better. And so when I saw Josiah in that room, I went in there because, not because I saw Josiah, not because I saw Emily, but because I knew Enoch would be in there. So in the same way, the way a baby can spread joy, the joy of the Lord in our hearts when we rejoice and when we share it is an opportunity for us to spread the joy of the Lord. And so that's the question. We hold up the mirror and Larry and uh, Sam, if you want to grab your microphones, and we'll, we'll, we'll get ready here. As you look and hold that mirror and you ask, do I have the joy of the Lord in my life? I think the best way to answer that question is, do I rejoice? If joy is in my heart, it's not going to stay there. It's going to come out of my mouth. So if you have something that you would like to say, any way that you would like to rejoice, a testimony you'd like to give to the Lord, go ahead and raise your hand. We got one right here. And just go ahead and keep it up. And Larry and Sam are going to go back and forth. If you could, say your name and then give testimony and rejoice for what the Lord's done. I'm James Lindsay, and this is my wife, Terry, and Noah, tonight, I'm rejoicing because God continues to speak to us. He continues to say, we're going through this, we're going to get to the other side, and it's amazing where sometimes God speaks to us. Last week, we were going through a little valley, well, matter of fact, a big valley, and even on Facebook, this scripture appeared just with, with nothing around it, and it spoke directly to my heart that God said, I'm with you, James. I'm with y'all. We're going to make it. And it's found in, in Psalms uh, 34. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. In verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I just praise God and thank him that he continues to speak to me and to encourage me uh, and remind me that I am part of the family. Thank Amen. You. That's awesome. The Lord is faithful and he is good. And his angels, I guess, know how to use Facebook because it happens all the time where wherever we are, the Lord puts that message directly in front of us. Thank you for sharing that. Go ahead and raise your hand. If you got something else, we'll go ahead and move your way. So I have been a Jonah for the past 11 years. Uh, God gave me a gift, and I have hid it, and I never 
really realized it. And then two weeks ago, God told me that I was supposed to pack my minivan up, put a foot bath in there, and I'm here from southeastern North Carolina. I don't know if anybody knows where Myrtle Beach is, but I am going across the country with my 12-year-old son washing people's feet, going to churches because God said, uh, you have this gift, and your gift is love. Like, you have to share that. You have this heart that God gave and prepared the way for. And he told me that the best way to be, be used and prepare for him to use my gift is that I got to get confident. Well, it is a very scary feeling to ask people to wash their feet. Um, I don't know how often y'all have ever done that, but I'm just, I'm still trying to get used to it. And so the perspective that God has given me is you wash their feet, you love them, and as you're talking to them, keep looking up and you see me as you're talking to people. And I have been so blessed. This is, um, this is a new church that we are only here for tonight. I told God that if he took me out of my small town of 2,000 people, that I would make sure not to have an excuse not to be in church. And it wouldn't be because Betty Sue's feeling would be hurt if I didn't come back. And here I am going across the country with my son, and we are spreading the joy, and we are going places, and we are being blessed beyond measure because we're washing feet. And, and that is that is joy. I, it shouldn't have worked out. It shouldn't work out that a mother of three could be in Memphis, Tennessee, when I have never even driven this far away from my husband, and my husband is okay with it. And my daughter, when I talk to her, sounds like sunshine is coming from my 15-year-old daughter. And if you know teenagers, sunshine is not where they go. And she talks to me with sunshine in her voice and I don't feel like Jonah anymore because I feel the sun on my face everywhere that I go and it has been a blessing to be here thank Amen. you thank you for being here welcome to Bellevue welcome to Memphis thank you for your testimony of following the Lord and doing what he says anybody else anybody else have something the Lord has done for them in their life anything the Lord has taught them in scripture any way that the Lord has shown his goodness to you. Got one back here. We'll go two or three more, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to get two or three more. And so I've got all night. I've got men in Memphis in the morning, and so I might as well stay here because it's early. And so I'm happy to stay. Yes, sir. My name is Howard Horton. Uh, most of you know in the last several years I've been through some deep, deep valleys, and the word has always been true in Psalms, it tells, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. One of those times I was unconscious, and the only thing I could do was remember the word Jesus, hmm. and then I woke up with no pain. Uh, so I praise the Lord that the word is living, it's true, and he's always with us. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. It's a powerful name indeed. Anybody else have a, a testimony of what the Lord has done for them? I got one right down here. My name is Sherry Pearson. This is my husband, David. Uh, it's just really strange. Uh, we were talking before the service started, I said, and we were singing the music, and I said, you know, this service 
feels like the Wednesday night services that I went to growing up in a small Baptist church, and I love it. And um, the thing that came to my mind, and it's just, it had to be the Lord, was that we used to have testimonial services. And that thought, before you ever said anything, and when you said that, I thought, he's reading my mind. (laughs) But uh, we used to stand up and just tell how we love the Lord and how good he was and how faithful he was. Uh, The Lord saved me when I was a 10-year-old child. And my testimony tonight is that he has been faithful throughout my life. He's seen us through cancer. He's seen us through uh, death in our family. But that joy follows you if you know the Lord. You don't understand it. You don't even know where it comes from. Uh, And we're in the winter of our lives now. uh, And we don't know what's ahead health-wise. But we know that he's been faithful all these years. And he will continue to be. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Stuff like that is why we have opportunities to share like this. That is very encouraging for, I think, everybody in the room to to see the Lord's faithfulness in your life and knowing that he'll be faithful in our lives as well. Got one down here, Larry. Quincy, and after two weeks, my wife finally tested negative for COVID. Amen. Praise the Lord. We were rejoicing. Praise the Lord. Two weeks is a long time when you're testing like that. Anybody else have a testimony of what the Lord has done in their life? Got one right here. Giving Larry a workout tonight. My name is David Pearson. Five years ago, six years ago, I sat in a doctor's office just across the way, and he told me, you've got cancer. And his second statement was, I wouldn't operate on it. I will not do it. We didn't know what to do. We began to study what the options were. In the end, I'm cancer free. Amen. Praise the Lord. have been for seven, eight years. Amen. Praise the Lord. God God doesn't have a big problem with anything that we face. Mm -hmm. God's never seen a big problem. Never has. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll do one more and then we'll, we'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Is there anything the Lord's put on your heart and maybe you've been nervous to share and you maybe think you're supposed to share it? This is your opportunity to, to rejoice in the Lord. As we've heard from several of these testimonies, the joy that comes in these situations doesn't come from situations that we choose. It doesn't come from the happiest moments of our life. But it's in those dark valleys, it's in those deepest spots that we truly are able to experience the joy of the Lord. And that really does make a difference to the world around us when we experience the joy, when we hear those words, cancer, and there's still joy in our lives, 
that speaks a great testimony to the world around us. We'll go one more. Anybody have a testimony, anything they want to share from the Lord? We got one right here. Thank you for being brave. My name is Joan Byers. This is my husband, Jim. I'm grateful to be here in March. I had to have a quadruple bypass, and uh, we had just moved here, and the Lord has been with me through that entire thing, and I've recovered. <clears throat> but what I wanted to tell was tell on myself. Um, <laughs> we just spent a week, a precious week, with our children down in Melbourne Beach, Florida, and uh, our newest great-grandchild will be two October the 5th, and he is the happiest little boy. I don't know how that one was you're talking about, but I'm going to tell you, he, he just laughs all the time, sings all the time, even though he's not talking, he's singing, and uh, he's, it's kept every day by his grandmother, and she had uh, purchased for him way back when he was born these videos, and they're all uh, Christian little children singing. Okay, so all these little songs were, you know, we heard them over and over and over all week. <laughs> so we get home Friday night, and I go to bed, and all I could hear in my head was, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, <laughs> making light and the blind to see, open prison doors, set the captive free. I took my pillow finally, and I said, Lord, I need to go to sleep. I'm exhausted. We got up this morning at 3.30 to catch a plane. I've got a river of life, and it just kept going, and finally the Holy Spirit grabbed my heart and said, don't you get it? You've got the river of life flowing out of you. I'm telling on myself. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for sharing that. That is, sometimes you don't want those songs stuck in your head, but the Lord is faithful to teach us truth and to, to move and work through us. So I want to challenge you this week to rejoice in the Lord. Take time to consider what the Lord has done for you. Think about it. Take time. You know, the song, count your many blessings, count them one by one. Take time to do that this week. Take time to examine what the Lord has done. And I guarantee you, when you realize what the Lord has already done in your life, let alone what he's going to do, when the Lord has, what he's already done in your life, if you really dwell on that and you rejoice in the Lord, the Lord will continue to, to build and bear the fruit of joy in your life. Let me pray for you. Lord, we do thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word. And Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity to to hear testimony tonight of what you've done in people's lives, and Lord, the joy of the Lord that is so evident in each one of them. And Lord, we thank you that in each one of these testimonies, there is a constant theme of your faithfulness and how you have never failed. And so, Lord, even times when we fail, when we, we don't do what you've called us to do, you are still faithful. And so, Lord, we rejoice in you. We rejoice because of that. Lord, we do ask that this week, you'd give us opportunity to, to be filled with joy and to share that joy with others as we rejoice in the Lord. Lord, just like Paul said, rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. I pray that this week, people around us would wonder why we're giving so much testimony about the Lord. And that as that joy of the Lord flows out of our hearts, overflows from the Lord out of our hearts, 
Lord, that you would draw other people around us to the Lord because they will want what they see in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.